Good afternoon, folks. It's that time of the day again. Time for the Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM and Talk 99.1 FM. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, and I'm happy to join you folks today. I'm joined in studio by my trusty executive director, John Snader, the guy that I'm always picking on because he's a man of few words, but I'll tell you what, I couldn't do this show or run this committee without him. And uh, I mean, John's a phenomenal, phenomenal executive director, probably the best one I've ever worked with. You know, then I'm also dealing here, I have over here with Dazzling Dandy Daryl Grandy. How come I get the dealing treatment? You know, oh, I, you know I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, maybe it's a, a Freudian but, slip but or something. Maybe <laughs> Freudian slip or something, you know? You know, I don't. Hey, pleasure to work with you, you Sam. Know. It's a pleasure to work with you. Uh, we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. Well, hey, Daryl, it is a pleasure to have you here as well. And folks, we've got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about a lot of things. But before we even get started, I want to let you know that we are very happy and very pleased to let you know that we have on the phone joining us the Pennsylvania GOP, the Republican State Committee endorsed candidate for Attorney General, York County District Attorney Dave Sunday. Dave, welcome to the show. Sam, it's it's absolutely wonderful to be here. Thank you so much. Well, I would tell you what, we're overjoyed to have you. I mean, I think there's a lot of changes that have taken place since the last time you were on the show. You were actually endorsed by the Republican State Committee, and it was an overwhelming vote. It was. That process was, to be honest, Sam, I really enjoyed it. I know that it gave me an opportunity to travel the entire state and talk to as many state committee people as I possibly could. I can't be happier with the outcome. And, you know, I'm just I'm excited to be here. And I think that we will absolutely win this seat. And I want to say also, you guys do a fantastic job in Allegheny County. And I'm really excited to work with you. Well, we appreciate that. We're looking forward to working with you. And and thanks for the kudos here. I can tell you that that sentiment isn't shared by by all, you know, certainly <laughs> not some in our own committee. OK, and, and I think that's that's one. Of, that's the only problem that Republicans have looking at 2024. I mean, well, I know, Sam, I don't know if you were on when I received the endorsement. Uh, one of the comments that I made was that, as, as you know, I was in the Navy and I was on a ship um, with about 230 crew members. We traveled all over the world, Persian Gulf, you know, during Desert Strike, all mm-hmm. kinds of places. And we had a ship that was filled with uh, sailors from all over the country, from different walks of life, from different backgrounds. And the reality is we had a single mission. And our mission uh, was to keep the United States safe and to uh, do so, you know, at sea in in very difficult circumstances. And I will tell you, Sam, that we all rode in the same direction and we achieved our goal and the mission that was given to us by our captain. And I think that the reality is, as a party, we need to all row in the same direction because we will never win unless we do it as a team. Amen, Dave. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, and that's what I try to tell people. You know, when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, we had a singular mission. You know, we didn't focus on what separated us or divided us. We focused on what united us. Same thing when I was a walk-on at the University of Pittsburgh for the football team back in 1980, okay? Uh, and, and this is the challenge that we have. We're going into election year where the wind should be at our back, just as it was, though, in the 2022 midterms. And we fail to deliver. You know, it's blasphemy for someone here in Pittsburgh to quote Al Davis, the former, you know, owner of the Oakland Raiders, okay? Oakland Raiders, Los Angeles Raiders, and wherever else he wanted to move them. But really, you know, he had a saying, it was just win, baby. Just win, okay? And that's the mission that we have to have. That's what we have to do here in 2024, 
if we're going to save this country and if we're going to save this Commonwealth, and you know, you're going to be a big part of what we do to try to save this Commonwealth. So, you know, we look forward to working with you and helping elect you, and we look forward to hearing more about your plans for Attorney General here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You know, Sam, to the point about working together as a team, uh, we've achieved um, amazing things here in York County. And, and for those that don't know, York is a big county. We go from Harrisburg down to uh, the border with Baltimore, Baltimore County. Um, and we have a very, very big criminal caseload. And, and we've been able to decrease crime tremendously. Uh, 41% since a 10-year high, 30% during my time uh, since I've been elected. And in addition to that, we've decreased gang shootings, for example, by 80%. And, and one of the ways that we have been able to do that is by working together as a team, by collaborating. Um, as a prosecutor, we do everything in our power to keep the community safe. And, Sam, that requires us to hammer um, people that commit very serious violent crimes, well, any violent crimes, sexual mm-hmm. assault cases. I mean, these people need to go to jail. And we need to hold people accountable Um, on the other end of it. And I know you understand a lot of these terms, but recidivism, you know, are people continuing to commit crimes after they've been held accountable? And one of the ways to make our community safer is to decrease what we call recidivism. And and to that point, we have worked together as a team to get that done. And and when I say as a team, that includes probation and parole, the police, the police chiefs, the district attorney's office, um, children, youth and family our hospitals, um, all kinds of different nonprofits. And we've been able to decrease the recidivism by working together. I'm telling you right now, Sam, I've, I have, you know, from, I'm not, you know, I'm not an old bastion of wisdom here, but at the same time, uh, through my life, I can tell you right now that you only achieve difficult goals by working as a team. And that's the type of leadership that we need in Pennsylvania. Um, it's what we need to do in our party. And I know that you agree and understand that. Yes, and, and, and thank you so much for explaining some of that to our listeners because, you know, so many folks, I mean, I guess it's just human nature. We, there's a lot of critics out there, okay? But many of these folks, they they complain or they attack before they really understand what it is that's involved. And you're talking about the criminal justice system and all the different players that go into trying to keep a community safe. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just the district attorney's office. It's not just the police. It's not just the judges and the courts, you know, but you're talking about the probation officers and things of that nature in addition to the other components. It's all of them working together to, it, it's absolutely necessary if you want to be effective. So thanks for 100%. sharing that with our listeners. Yep. And in addition to that, Sam, we have to remember that you know, we have a, a crisis of public servants in Pennsylvania, and it's not just police. Um, it's not just prosecutors. It's across the board. We have a very tough time getting people to want to do um, these very, very critical uh, public safety jobs that directly impact um, the health of our community. Um, and to that point, you know, when you have a situation like that where, where it's really hard to get people to want to do these jobs, it really makes the the need for leaders and for everyone in this process to collaborate together to achieve positive results even higher. Um, We don't live in a world where people can on their own get this done. And one of the things that um, as attorney general, 
what I will do is continue to do the type of work I do right now as DA, where I work with everyone in the community. I mean, we, we discussed this before saying my philosophy is accountability and redemption. You have to have both. And what often happens is, and you alluded to how complex the criminal justice system is, oftentimes you'll have someone that's all of one and not the other. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. there's too much redemption and <laughs> no one's getting held accountable. We see that in a lot of these cities with these progressive prosecutors where they don't, they've forgotten about how critical accountability is, right? Yep. And then you go back in time 30 years ago and it was all accountability. The way to get the job done is you have to do both. Um, and I look forward to talking about that as much as possible all throughout the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Well, and we look forward to hearing more about it as well as your plans for how you intend to take and change or transform the attorney general's office into an office that not just leads, but delivers, you know, on the results that you're looking for. And you were just talking about accountability and redemption. I can tell you for our listeners here, they would understand this living in Allegheny County. One of the problems we've had here is a lack of accountability with our juvenile system because they had closed Schumann Center back in 2021. So we haven't had a center to be able to take and detain Mm -hmm. some of these juveniles that are committing these crimes. And just recently in this past election, uh, we were talking about the juveniles that are in the county jail. And we had 23 juveniles in the Allegheny County Jail, but nine were in for criminal homicide. One was in for Mm -hmm. attempted criminal homicide, another for rape and sexual assault. And I just wonder, Dave, if we had had a Schumann Center open, where there could have been some accountability that would have registered, might that have stopped, you know, one of those nine or 10 from making the poor choices that led them to where they are today? And, and I think, Sam, to that point, you know, oftentimes when we look at policy and legislation um, as a society, we have a knee-jerk reaction to problems. And what I mean by that is, the reason why we are where we are with regard to the juvenile detention facilities really goes back decades uh, to where a policy decision was made that juveniles should not be in placement. And they wanted to decrease the amount of times a juvenile would go into placement. And like a lot of things, we always go too far. I mean, obviously, there are many circumstances where juveniles do not belong in placement. And there's a lot of very specific laws in place um, to, to help for that, you know, to help eliminate when that happens. But at the same time, to your point, there are juveniles that are committing extremely violent crimes that it just so happens they're not 18 yet. And that doesn't make it any better for the victims that the, that the shooter, um, is under the age of 18. Exactly. And, and so to that point, we have to remember our first duty to protect. And there are, And I know for a fact that, you know, we struggle to find um, secure facilities to send these juveniles. Um, We had a juvenile that was released that um, because there wasn't an available space for them. And a few days later, they were uh, running down the highway in in Baltimore on CNN in a high speed chase. Um, And so, you know, we have to make sure that we have those spaces available, that the funding is there to have these secure detention facilities so that when it is appropriate, there's a place to put these children, I mean, these juveniles um, that are committing violent crimes because you know what, Sam, it protects them too. 
Dave, to your point, we had a juvenile here that had been picked up because we had no place to put him. They put an ankle bracelet on him and released him. He immediately went home and within hours got a gun, went back out on the street and killed somebody. Okay. <clears throat> so, I mean, we, we've seen it and lived it firsthand here, you know, and we anticipate Schumann Center being open up in, uh, in April. But, you know, as you were saying earlier, that's only part of the issue. You mentioned a few minutes ago, you talked about how we're at a critical shortage you know, of first responders, you know, people going into law enforcement and things like that. And when I talk to members of the Allegheny County Chiefs of Police Association and, you know, our SACOG partners, they'll tell me that, you know, they used to hold these tests for Mm -hmm. folks that were applying and they would get hundreds of applicants, you know, and now they're lucky if they get, you know, a dozen or 10. And that's because, you know, two, in in my view, at least two reasons, you know, one, uh, in the aftermath of the George Floyd uh, case, uh, the attacks, well, actually three, the, in the aftermath of the George Floyd case, you know, the attacks on police, you know, and the calls to defund them. Two, uh, they don't believe that their elected officials are going to have their back, you know, and then three, you know, this attack on police officers nationwide where they want to remove their protection via qualified immunity, mm-hmm. opening them up to civil lawsuits. So we're not getting the applicants that we need, and it's resulting in us having to take whomever applies, which, you know, I, I mean, I don't mean to disrespect any of the folks that are joining the forces today, but I just think that, uh, you know, the fact that we've had a lower standards, you know, and you saw uh, Governor Shapiro did that with the Pennsylvania State Police, you know, you know, might have a, a negative effect. You know, you make a really good point there, Sam. And, and one of the things that that is a challenge is the fact that so what are like police officers go into the most dangerous situations, some of the most dangerous situations in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, we ask them to be uh, domestic violence counselors, mental health counselors, substance abuse counselors. Um, we ask them to be able to handle any situation and have the answer to that situation in a split second when we're talking about people that might be um, overdosing, people that are fighting each other. Um, there may have been a shooting. And so we're sending the, these police officers into these unbelievably difficult circumstances. And we expect and demand perfection. And the reality is police are humans just like everyone else. They have families. They go to work. They want to come home and see um, their loved ones. And they want to come home safe. And so I think that back during the summer during COVID, when they were being attacked relentlessly. And and the other thing, Sam, we have to remember is we have to stop painting with a broad brush. Meaning yes, just absolutely. Because one person does something wrong. It does not mean that everybody in that profession do things that are wrong. Okay. And so during that time period, when it was a relentless assault in the media, on social media, uh, everywhere you look against people that are putting their lives on the line every day, we should not be surprised that we're in the situation that we're at now. And in a country, Sam, where we're so blessed that when we call 911, someone shows up at our house, we need to really wrap our heads around this and decide if that's how we want it to continue. No, no, I, I, I couldn't have said it better, Dave. You know, so let me ask you a question. If you were elected to be the attorney general, you know, how would you lead on this issue? How would you try to take and, 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 and support law enforcement officers across the, the Commonwealth, but also to try to, well, more importantly, to keep the residents of this Commonwealth safe? Well, so there's numerous questions there. I think to start with, 
one of the things that the attorney general has, similar to district attorneys in their counties, you have the ability, you have a voice, and you have the ability to publicly um, stand up for what you believe in and publicly support our servant, our public servants that need that. Um, during that entire summer, I was on the radio once a week uh, talking about how critical it was to remember that we need to support the police, that we need to understand we, we can't paint with a broad brush. Mm-hmm. And I think that a voice in that place, we can't, we can't diminish the importance of that um, to make sure that when they turn on the radio or you know, when they're hearing public servants speak, that the public servants are recognizing how critical their jobs are. I mean, that's one of those little things, Sam, that goes a long, long way. And to that point, as as leaders, we need to get together and say, how can we increase the likelihood that people will go into these jobs? Um, I don't know specifically what the mechanism for that conversation is, Sam, but I'm going to jump all over that on day one. It is absolutely critical. I mean, people do not recognize how important it is to fill these jobs. Everything from 911 dispatcher all the way down. We have to have people that want to do those. And as a leader, I will lead in that space and I'll make a lot of noise and we'll make sure that we find a way to to make it so that our legislators and and our leaders understand how critical it is to fix that. Yeah, I I just watched uh, earlier this week, and I don't mean to drag this uh, case into our conversation, but uh, there was a uh, incident here in Allegheny County. It was in the city of Pittsburgh where a, 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 a black man was tased repeatedly, and he ended up dying the next day at the hospital. And you know the, the new mayor came in and fired a number of the officers. And this occurred a few years ago. Well, his attorney just released the uh, body-worn camera and other camera footage a couple days ago earlier this week. One of the things that struck me was how long it took backup to get to this officer. You had one officer dealing with this individual who wasn't cooperating and complying, you know, and he was resisting, and the officer was by himself. And folks, you know, were some of the complaints were, why didn't he just wrestle Mm -hmm. with them? And not understanding that you never do that when you have a gun on your hip. Because if there's a gun there, it's a gunfight, okay? Um, but it, it struck me as it just how long it took for help to get there. And you just wonder if the some of these departments being undermanned, you know, helps contribute to some of these, uh, you know, these, these, these bad results. Well, and to that point, this is a really good point, Sam, because one of the number one issues facing our community that is, that is impacting the criminal justice system, in addition to obviously opioids, fentanyl and the border, that's a whole nother conversation, um, is a mental health crisis. And when we bring this up, and this is very policy-based, like we're having a very policy, sort of a wonky conversation right now, but it's really, really important because the fact that we have so many people with mental health, with, with mental illness, and that are in, having severe mental health crises throughout our community, that directly impacts public safety. And that's an area where we demand, we have so many demands we place on police. Mm-hmm. We demand that they can handle everything they come across, but have we given them the tools to do so? And, and one of the areas where, and I know we've talked about this before, but it's really important, is in the area of co-responders. Having trained mental health professionals available for the police to utilize in the event the police officer deems it appropriate. Because that's giving them a tool so that we can keep them on the street, meaning the police officer, and, and under the right circumstances, they're not repeatedly dealing with these individuals with severe mental health issues that really need to be in treatment. Right. And, and we do have some things here in Allegheny County. Uh, there's a program partnership with like UPMC 
They have something called the Resolve Crisis Center, where police officers, when responding to a case or something where there's an issue, have the ability to request, you know, mental health support from professionals. Unfortunately, from a staffing perspective, they don't have the amount of staff, and sometimes these things take hours. So again, as oh, we yeah. start to look at these things, it's always it's, it always seems to boil down to resources. You know, and to that point, Sam, I mean, as a society, we decide what we want to prioritize for our tax dollars, right? Like, as a society, we decide how what are the priorities for us? And I think that one of government's absolute number one roles that exists is ensuring that the community is safe and free from harm and violence. Mm -hmm. And so to that point, if we as a society are very serious about that, then, you know, we can, we need to have those conversations and get resources where they need to be because this impacts, I mean, you know, this, this impacts our economic situation. It impacts our communities. It impacts children's edu education. I mean, until we get this public safety issue, uh, these public safety issues under control, then it's really difficult to excel in the places that we need to excel. Oh, absolutely. Folks, we're talking here with Dave Sunday, your County District Attorney and the GOP endorsed candidate for Pennsylvania Attorney General. And, and, and Dave, I mean, you're, you're sharing a, a lot of great stuff with us here on, on on your perspective on what we need to do here, you know, not just in Pennsylvania, but these things that you're talking about could be implemented anywhere, you know, where folks are dealing with, uh, you know, issues such as crime and public safety. Absolutely. I mean, and also, Sam, when you look at it, so for example, when we look at our police officers and where do we want their time spent, right? Do we want them investigating uh, violent crime, investigating child predators, investigating those type of issues? Or, or do we want them, you know, doing other community-based, like, services? And I think that we need to, again, we can't ever forget about accountability. Um, and we need police and prosecutors available to handle the very serious crimes that occur to make sure that these people get held accountable and are, you know, prosecuted and that they are incarcerated and that they can't commit more violent crimes like that. Um, and, and just to let you know, I mean, this is an issue facing, this is all across the United States. Um, I've been blessed to also be endorsed by the Republican Attorney General's Association. And as such, that has allowed me to network with elected Republican attorney generals from around the country and talk policy. You know, what works, what doesn't, what are some of their struggles? And the, the conversation that you and I are having right now, Sam, mm -hmm. is a conversation that's happening all throughout the United States. And I think it's a conversation that needs needs to happen, you know. But I think, again, we want our we want our officers focused on the things that we believe will have the greatest impact in keeping us safe. And like you said, you know, investigating violent crimes and taking violent offenders off the streets. You know, that's that's right up there. That's, you know, number one. OK, <clears throat> but I think what many fail to realize, there are some out there that would just say, well, no, let's just send social workers out to some mm -hmm. of these things. And the problem is, you know, you don't know until you get there what that situation, how it's going to unfold, you know, what the circumstances no, you are. Can't. No, I mean, in any split second. So, I mean, I prosecuted a case. This might have been eight, seven or eight years ago where a police officer did a traffic stop and he walked up to the individual uh, that was driving the car and he asked the person for their license, um, their identification. And the individual rolled his window down, held out his driver's license and then dropped it onto the onto the street. 
uh, the officer being as well trained as he was very quickly figured out that, hey, there might be an issue here. So he started stepping back. The driver in the car pulled out a gun and started shooting at the police officer. Um, he shot at him probably six, seven, maybe eight times. And that was all took place within probably two seconds. And so we have to remember that any of these situations can become unsafe extremely quickly. And unless it's safe, the, you could throw every service on the planet into that set of circumstances. But until a trained police officer makes it safe, then it won't matter and someone could get hurt or die. Well, that's a great point. You know, I hope I hope that officer's okay. He is okay. Uh, he returned fire and struck the individual. Uh, that person did not die. That was a jury trial. Um, I tried that case, and he was convicted of attempted first-degree murder of the police officer and was sentenced to the statutory maximum, I think it was 20 to 40 years. Well, good for you. So you, so you do have courtroom experience, correct? Yes. Yeah, I spent, <clears throat> I mean, most of my most of my career as a lawyer has been uh, in a courtroom doing uh, criminal jury trials. When I started in the office, I started out, and next year will be my 17th year here in York. I mean, I started out at the very bottom and um, tried small cases and very quickly worked my way up to the point where I ran our felony drug unit. Um, and then I ran our major crimes unit. But most of my career has been in a courtroom. I was what was called our chief of litigation. In that capacity, I tried, I probably, pro I'm trying to think, I probably did at least maybe 20 homicide jury trials. Um, I've tried death penalty cases. And so I think it's absolutely critical that the attorney general has that experience, because if you're making decisions and policy decisions that impact people in courtrooms, if you haven't had that experience, then, you know, how are you going to be able to know what the outcome or what the impact of those decisions are? I mean, in, and in addition to that, you know, most of my career being in a, in a courtroom like that, I've worked with victims day in and day out. I've sat with victims. Dave, on, yeah, that that is a great point, and, and I want you to just hold on to that thought for a moment. We have of to course. take a break here, folks, to pay the bills on WJAS thirteen twenty AM. This is Sam DeMarco and the Elephant in the Room. We'll be right back. Folks, welcome back to the Elephant in the Room on WJAS thirteen twenty AM and ninety nine point one FM Talk. We're joined here today by. District Attorney from York County, Dave Sunday. And Dave is the endorsed candidate from the Pennsylvania GOP, a Republican state committee. And Dave, in our last segment, you, we were just talking about your courtroom experience. And for our listeners who may recall, the, the, they may think that that's a silly question that I would ask that, but it's not because our last attorney general, you know, and current governor, Josh Shapiro, I don't believe ever tried a case in a courtroom. Yeah, I think that it's so if you're leading an organization and especially as attorney general, where you really have a huge role in dictating criminal justice policy. From my own experience um, in the military and, you know, working through and we've talked about this before, but working at UPS all through um, undergrad and law school. You know, my experience is that you are in a much better place to make those decisions when you have actually done the job. And when you look at what the attorney general does, the attorney general works with the district attorneys all throughout the Commonwealth every single day. And so if the DA has a conflict, the case goes to the attorney general. Um, if it's a multi-jurisdictional investigation, then a lot of times that's referred to the attorney general uh, based on resources. And so the AG works hand in hand with the DAs. And as a result of that, 
I personally believe that having that experience as an elected DA, working with the AG from this side of it, you're in a much better place to understand how the decisions you make impact um, the DAs and the prosecutors and the police. And so to that point, I mean, I spent many, many years in a courtroom. And when you're in a courtroom doing homicide jury trials and jury trials for elder abuse and economic fraud and all these different things, you really get a feel for the experience, Sam, that victims go through, that the witnesses go through, that the police go through on a daily basis trying to do everything in their power to do their job right, lawful, and keep the community safe. And and so uh, having that courtroom understanding has been huge for me as I have moved into the realm of policy, serving on the District Attorneys Association, um, on the uh, American Conservative Union's uh, Prosecutor Advisory Panel, where we work with uh, conservative prosecutors from around the country on policy, uh, working with the Republican Attorney General's Association. And so very simply, Sam, being able to draw upon the real world, real life experience that people face in the criminal justice system has really served me well. And I believe that as attorney general, that experience will be critical um, to my ability to do that job appropriately for the Commonwealth. Well, one of the reasons why I was one of your biggest supporters, at least out here in these parts, was because I'd had the opportunity to meet with you and to talk with you because you've been on this campaign trail. And even before you ran an official campaign, but you were talking to folks and, and uh, you were telling them who you are and about your views on public safety and what you'd been able to do and accomplish in your county. And, you know, I was heavily involved in the district attorney's race here in Allegheny County, you know, this past year throughout most of 2023. And I, we had multiple conversations then talking about what the right path forward was, you know. So, uh, I, you know, I really am excited about your candidacy. I think you are the right guy or the right candidate, you know, for this role. And uh, just hope that we're able to get Republicans to come together, put aside their differences, stop whining and complaining about Taylor Swift. Okay. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, right? You know it, what, Sam, I was really hoping we would make it through this without the name Taylor Swift <laughs> coming up. <laughs> I really was. I was hoping we'd get there. Well, I got to ask you, you know, uh, you know, your county, I mean, are you, uh, are you Steelers, Eagles or Ravens fan? Well, to start with, we also have a lot of Commanders fans here, Sam. Oh, uh, oh. A lot of Commanders fans because we're so close to D.C. Um, I'm, an, I'm an Eagles fan. I grew up an Eagles fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, don't hold that against me. Please. I won't. <laughs> Others may, but I won't. <laughs> you know, I know, I mean, I, I'm not one of those people that says, well, I'm a, you know, depending upon where I am in the state, because true football fans know that that's not the way it works. Well, the, the, I feel sad for the Commanders fans. Those folks are like Pirates oh fans God, here no. in Pittsburgh, okay? You know, uh, I mean, when they changed the name from Redskins, uh, I, I know it disappointed an entire, you know, uh, fan base there. But, uh, and then... Oh, I think it was devastating. Devastating for that fan base. Um, and then, remember, Sam, they became the Washington football team for a season. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> then they come up with Commanders. Uh, who, who knows what's next? I mean... And, and this is the, I, I, you know what? I am not going to use the valuable time we have with you to get into a rant about some of the craziness that's going around this country. But so, no, I appreciate that. So, what else 
would well, you like other, to do yeah. as attorney general? Well, I think, I mean, we have to ask ourselves, what are the largest issues facing our communities? And we talked about mental health. Um, the opioid, so the fentanyl crisis is, I'm going to say right now, well, anecdotally, that it is probably driving at least 70% of the crime in Pennsylvania. Um, it's either directly, or crime is either directly or tangentially related to um, drug abuse. And that is really important to understand because if we want to make the community safer, we've got to go full bore and do everything we can um, to attack the fentanyl epidemic. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, Sam, if you um, misbehaved a little bit, you might have maybe a hangover. Okay. And I'm not saying that that was me, but I'm just Mm -hmm. saying for some people (laughs) um, in today's world, if kids make a mistake, they could be dead. Right. And that's not an exaggeration. And that's not for a dramatic effect. It's a reality. And the stakes now are so much higher uh, for parents, for children, um, for 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 police, for prosecutors, because of how deadly these drugs are and how they are in everything. I mean, this epidemic is impacting. I mean, think about armed robberies. What's driving them? Burglaries in homes, um, stealing cars. Um, when you look at a lot of domestic, serious domestic violence cases, someone's on drugs or there's a mental illness or something of that nature. Um, when you look at DUIs and and DUIs, people forget about this, but we keep a lot of data in York. And I would guess that you could probably extrapolate this throughout the state. Over half of our DUIs are either drug DUIs or drug and alcohol combined. And that makes for an unbelievably dangerous set of circumstances on the roadway. And so the takeaway very simply is we have got to do everything we can. And when you look at Biden's open borders and you understand how many people are flowing through that border every day and the impact of that on our communities, it puts us in a position where we have to do something. We have to push back. And and that's where I wanted to take this because I was going to ask you, you know, here as we try to fight this, and I think we lose uh, over 4,000 Pennsylvanians every year, you know, to opioid and fentanyl overdoses, is, you know, how, when you have the federal government who is not securing the border and they're allowing these drugs and things like that to come across the, the, this border and into this country, and it makes its way, unfortunately, to Pennsylvania, you know, what do we do? How do we, how do we address that? Well, the, to start with, People need to understand the actual issue. And so when we look at the border, you know, most of the fentanyl that comes into the United States, it's made, it's manufactured in Mexico. Okay. And the cartels make it and they utilize ingredients that they obtain from China. Now they're manufacturing some of their own ingredients now, but that being said, that's where it's made. It oftentimes comes over to the United States through ports of entry. So through actual you know, um, open spaces where trucks and cars can drive back and forth. Um, And it's important to understand that. At the same time, obviously, there's some that comes across, um, you know, that are that are on humans that are walking across the border. We are in a situation right now where I believe the number is around eight million, eight million Mm -hmm. humans have walked across that border illegally since uh, Biden took office. And Pennsylvania's got, what, around 13 million citizens. Yep. And so when you think about that number, 
it is just unfathomable. And at the same time, people need to understand that the cartels make billions and billions and billions of dollars a year getting and aiding the illegal um, the illegal immigrants, get them to the border and help get them over the border. Okay, so so this open border crisis is not only impacting uh, all the different things we could go over, Sam, the economy and everything that comes with it, but it is aiding and abetting the cartels in making money and getting resources to continue to pour poison into our community. And so I just take time to explain that, Sam, because um, people have to really understand that this isn't just something far away that they see on the news. It's a very real thing. And logistically, when fentanyl comes into the United States, it can be anywhere in this country within 24 hours. Right. Well, and, and, and this, so sorry. No, I'm sorry. Good. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so in effect, we are all border states right now. Yes. Okay. And it, it, it's, you know, here we are. And, and the border is the number one issue, I think, for the majority of folks in this election, based upon polls that I've seen. And, and that's why my concern is that, you know, we lose the opportunity to try to address it. You know, if we fail to get behind our candidates here, you know, in the fall. And that's what... Uh, those are the things that keep me up at night as I right. wrestle with what I see or folks, you know, just fighting and bickering over things that are unimportant while you're taking and trying to fight here on the things that matter, like life and death. Yep, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and, and that's really good point, Sam. And that's why this, like radio shows like this are so important, because, you know, people can paint us however they want in a tweet. Okay. And, and they can, you know, manipulate the message. Uh, but when you actually sit down and, and can talk about these issues, like the, you know, the platform that you give people here, it's really, really important because it does give, you know, citizens an opportunity to hear what we have to say about these about these issues and take a deep dive into them. You know, when you go back to the border. So last year I spoke at CPAC and I was on a panel with um, the head of the Border Patrol Union and Every state's a border state was the theme of our discussion. And we discussed fentanyl. We discussed human trafficking. And the reality is the federal government, as we know, and we're seeing play out in real time in Texas, um, has the duty to protect the states, especially in particular with regard to um, international borders. And so as an attorney general, the question will become, you know, what legal mechanisms exist to try to put us in a position where we can keep Pennsylvanians safe? I mean, the major impact on us from my the lens that I look at the world as a prosecutor is the unbelievable um, flow of these illegal drugs into our community. And so what I can say is I will be very creative. I will work with Republican attorney generals from around the country to get ideas I will work with our community, not just the Republican community. I will work with the, our entire community um, and talk to everybody to understand, you know, what they're dealing with so that we can try to um, provide DAs with the, with, with, with the support that they need um, to provide the community with what, what they need and to do everything I can to stem the flow of fentanyl coming into our community. I mean, Sam, I take this very seriously. This is really one of the absolute total reasons why I am running for attorney general. I've been fighting 
drugs in our community for a long, long time, even back to the point where when I was in the Navy, uh, my ship did counter drug ops in Central and South America where we boarded uh, drug runners' vessels. And never back then, Sam, would I have ever imagined uh, that, you know, almost 30 years later, this is the same fight that I would be having but from home. No, you, you would have thought that we would have done something to have addressed this or fixed this by now. And, you know, the reason I was asking about that was because, you know, the former attorney general, uh, Josh Shapiro, <clears throat> liked to join lawsuits against the federal government, you know, to uh, on issues that were important to him or his party. Now, I know you have too much integrity to do anything that was based solely on the party, but would you be willing to take and sue the federal government if you felt there were issues that were negatively impacting the welfare of the residents of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? Absolutely, Sam. It, if, if it's an issue that is harming Pennsylvanians, and if, we, if it's legally sound, and we have a, a good faith basis to do it, then I would absolutely consider that. Um, my job currently is a DA. And I can tell you, Sam, you know, you often know how people will react in future jobs by how they're handling the one they currently have. Mm -hmm. um, I, this job as a, as lead prosecutor, as chief law enforcement officer in a large County, and as the attorney general, you have a duty to every citizen. And whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or whatever you might be, um, your job is to do everything in your power to keep the citizens safe. And and when when as a society, prosecutors do utilize their powers based on political circumstances that sets up an environment where our democracy is truly in trouble. We can never let that happen. You can never have prosecutors that do that. And I have never done that in all of my time, and I would never do it. Um, and so to your point, if it was a set of circumstances that would benefit um, the citizens and keep them safe, then I would absolutely consider it. Well, I, 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 I appreciate that. I, I know that you're a man of integrity, a man of your word. I just wanted our listeners to hear directly from you to recognize that you in that office would be somebody that would protect them. Now, I have a question here. I want to take a little bit of a different direction here. Allegheny County has one of the oldest populations in the country. Almost mm. 20% of our residents are 65 years or older. Can you tell these folks what you would do in the area of elder abuse to try to protect our seniors from the oh, scams yeah. and things that are being run on those folks today? So we have Pennsylvania, I believe, is number two in the country for the amount of, um, of aging citizens. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I actually started an elder abuse task force. And what we do is we, uh, we prosecute people um, for, you know, neglect of seniors. We prosecute people for stealing money from seniors, everything. And at the same time, we have made it an absolute priority to help educate the community. I go into senior centers. I actually do that myself. I do the presentations some, most of the time uh, where we train people and we teach them how to avoid getting scammed in the first place. Um, this is one of the priorities for my platform as attorney general. And I believe that we have a moral duty to protect um, the seniors amongst us. And, and these are people who have worked, they have um, accumulated whatever wealth they have in their life, be it a social security check or 401k, whatever that might be, but they earned it. And people do not have the right to take that from them 
regardless of how, if they're, you know, 65 or 105. And so I take that extremely seriously. I've taken those cases to jury trials and I've convicted people in jury trials for, um, for economic fraud of seniors. And I will do everything in my power to amplify those efforts statewide. The problem, Sam, is a lot of times once those scams are successful, it is unbelievably difficult to get that money back. And so that's why we have to have all hands on deck, keeping our seniors safe and making sure that they understand, you know, how to not get ripped off. And so I take that seriously. And that's a huge part of what the attorney general's role is. I'm glad to hear that because so many of these seniors, like you said, they lose their life savings, you know, and at their age, they're they're no longer in the workforce nor have the ability to be able to recover and when, when you're not able to recover those funds, you know, by catching the people that have done this and being able to seize any assets from them, these seniors are left without, you know, you know without hope. And, uh, you know, that, that's something we certainly hope to avoid. And that's why this issue is so very important to so many. I appreciate you bringing that up, Sam. And that is, I mean, if it's, I mean, how do, I think it's um, indicative of our health as a society, how we treat and protect uh, the seniors amongst us. No, absolutely. Um, just like it is with the children amongst us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I do so many of those scams, again, this goes back to actually doing the job. I have worked with the victims. I have been in rooms with the victims. I have talked to their families. And a lot of seniors are, are they're afraid. I mean, a lot of them live alone. Um, they, you know, may not be in contact with their family. These scams in today's world are so unbelievably believable that, it's really hard. I mean, I know lawyers who've been scammed. Um, and so that's why we have to stay ahead of them and constantly let seniors know in a way that they understand what to avoid. Oh, yeah. The, the sophistication of these scams defies belief. I mean, again, you know, I'm somebody, I mean, I sold software. Okay. So I'm somebody that was in the technology field. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that I get emails and things and, and I have, I, you know, for, for our folks that are listening, you get an email. If you're ever concerned about it, just go up and click on where on any email on where the sender address is, where they supposedly come from. And you'll see that in many cases, it's not your bank. It's not Amazon, you know, or any or American Express or anyone else. But there's multiple, you know, periods in there or these other or it's just an address. These folks are scammers just looking to try to it's called phishing. What they're trying to do is to try to see if someone will take and click on that and give them your identifying information, and then they'll take and raid mm-hmm. your account. You know, yep. but it, it is very sophisticated. Uh, and then the phone calls as well. You know, I tell them send me something in the mail. Yep. You know, I don't let it go to voicemail. Yep. And, and let it go to voicemail. You know, and our seniors again. When you talk about so many of them living alone, sometimes they're just lonely. They get somebody on the phone, the person sounds nice to them, and the next thing you know, they're giving them their bank information. And uh, I have seen it happen. I've seen it happen. Um, you know, that's you, that's such a good point, Sam. And this could be literally a whole other show on senior, um, on elder scams. Uh, I think but, we need to do that. I think, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to take you up on that. We'll do that at a future I mean, date. Let's yeah, talk about that as a public service announcement. That would be really important. I mean, we can cover so many different topics um, I mean, they're even sophisticated to the point now where there are scams where your phone, I, someone called me on this one um, and they are soliciting donations for the police. Yes. And, and they're scams. Yes. Um, and, and people are so kind hearted that they want to give money and support these people. 
Um, and it turns out that they're not real. Um, and so, you know, I always tell people, if you get that phone call, call your local police department. Don't call 911. Call their office number and just say, hey, I got this call. Is this real? Well, many times what I do. how you can donate. Yeah, many times what I do, <clears throat> I'll just go right to Google. And I'll type in the name. Well, they said they were from the police and national police association, blah, blah, blah. And you type it in and you'll see right there. A lot of times you'll see that they've been reported as scams. Other times you can go to charity navigator. Right. Dot oh, yeah. com, you know, yeah. but I mean, for, but, but your answer was the best for folks who aren't sophisticated and, and aren't technologically uh, apt. They can go straight exactly. there. Exactly. And no one will ever ask you for your um, personal information over the phone. Right. A legit place will never do that. They won't ask you for your birth date, your social security number. And if they do, then I would hang up. Now, now Dave, for our listeners who, in listening to you today, understand you to be the man that I've been telling people you are, how would they go about helping you if they would like to help your campaign, if they would like to volunteer or give money? I would say that the number one way to do that is to go to my uh, website. The app, that is the best way to do it. Uh, my website is Dave Sunday for AG, all one word, Dave Sunday for AG.com. And, and on that website, you can email the team. Um, you can make a financial contribution that's your way to get a hold of us, and and it's been very effective. We have a lot of people that want to help. A lot of people want to volunteer, and that's the best way to, to get that done. Well, thank you for sharing that. Now, folks, before we go, we want to have a little bit of a contest, impromptu contest here, and uh, you can respond later, but we were talking. I mean, Dave, Dave Sunday, great name, okay? But we were teasing him <laughs> earlier. We were saying, hey, vote for Sunday on Tuesday, Okay. Or vote for Dave Sunday on Election Day, you know. So, folks, if you can come up with any oh, no. interesting things that you think would be great, please <laughs> submit them to us at our website at Allegheny.gop. That's Allegheny.gop. Let's help Dave Sunday win this social media and meme war, okay, <laughs> by giving him some ideas that can help uh, his campaign as he travels the Commonwealth this year trying to win election here in November. Dave, I want to thank you for joining us today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I know how busy you are, both in your county and out on the campaign trail. And I want to thank you and your family for stepping up to do this on behalf of the residents and citizens of Pennsylvania. No, I appreciate it, Sam. Um, this is an honor, and I view, it, I view this as an honor and a privilege. Uh, I take it very seriously. For me, this is mission-based. Um, and so I'm excited to do it and, um, and I'm excited. I can't wait to spend as much time in Allegheny as I possibly can. And that all of Western Pennsylvania, uh, believe it or not, my mom used to live in Murraysville. Oh, wow. Uh, and so yeah, she lived out there for eight years. And so she also lived in Erie. Um, so I've spent a lot of time out there. It's near and dear to my heart and I'm looking forward to uh, really, um, spending even more time out there. So thank you, Sam. I appreciate, um, you having me on your show. Well, we appreciate you being here. Hey, do you have a last, anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, all I'd like to say very simply is check out my website, uh, email the campaign, and remember that as a team, we can achieve anything. And as a team, we will win in November, but we can only do it together. Well, Dave, again, thank you so much for joining us. 
And folks, that's it for the elephant in the room here on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. This is your host, Sam DeMarco. Look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great weekend.